see you guys again on this Sunday by the grace of God. And um, I really hope that our fellowship and discussion about the Word of God can be clear, as Manny's been saying, can be convicting, um, and can be something that empowers our faith toward God and toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we talked a little bit last week about um, what God has done to declare us righteous in His sight and the blessing of eternal life that comes with that. And today I want to talk about um, what exactly or how exactly God has reconciled Himself to us through our justification and in forgiveness. And forgiveness, sorry. Um, it is going to be a little bit of a big passage that we're going to go through, so I just want to break it up into three sections. Um, the way I want us to think about it is Paul covering our former state. We keep talking about that. We talked a lot about that last week. Um, what God has done to reconcile us, and we could say the blessings of that reconciliation. Um, so if you guys have your Bibles, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 11 through 21, and then we'll, we'll pray and start. Ephesians chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 11 through 21. And Let's pray. Let's let's begin. Our God and our Father, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we come to you today, as our brother Manny has been saying, in his name, in the name of your son, Jesus, because as we're going to see today in part, that, that it is really through him that we have access to you. It is through Him that we can even come to you and call on your name. So I just thank you, God, for this opportunity to share your word with others and myself to just revisit again the truth about our reconciliation with you. I pray, God, that we would really see this reconciliation as something that brings us near to you not as something that we should take for granted, something that we already have because of one reason or another, but something that is really given to us as a gift through Jesus Christ. As our brother Manny has been saying, God, I just pray that in your mercy, in your mercy, that even though I can't see you, even though none of us here can see you, that you in your mercy, God, would just provide for us in this time. That you in your mercy, God, would provide clarity of the truth and faith in your word. You alone are able to do this, and without you, nothing good will be done, nothing fruitful will be done, and we need to completely depend upon you for this grace. As hearers and as someone who speaks, we need to depend on you for this. I pray your mercy would be on me um, and on everybody here, God, again, so that our hearts would be convinced and convicted by the truth that we hear today. May you lead us in this time. May you be in our presence in this time with great intimacy. Through Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. So, um, we've entered a new letter last week. We started with um, the book of Titus. And now we're in the, the letter to the Ephesians. So I'm just going to drop a little bit of um, context and what seems to be important to Paul in this letter. So we can see where we're coming from with our discussion today. So Paul writes um, 
a letter to the believers in Ephesus. You can see this in verse 1, uh, chapter 1. He says, to the saints who are in Ephesus, right? And Ephesus was located, if you guys know where Turkey is, the southwestern corner of present-day Turkey. Um, that's where it was located. And one of the main things that dominates the letter is um, Paul's desire to make clear the mystery of God. He continues to say this through and through his letter um, with a strong emphasis on what the eternal purpose of God was in our salvation. Right. So if, if we could have why God did what he did in our salvation explained to us, it's a really found a lot in Ephesians. Um, which might be a little different from what we find in the other letters, where there's a lot of instruction on how to deal with one another, on how to live as Christians, right? He has this grand scheme in mind when he writes this letter. We can see that in verses 9 through 10, where he says, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan, for the fullness of time, right? He speaks about God's purpose in giving us an inheritance in verse 12, saying, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. He speaks about God's purpose in raising us and saving us while we were dead in our trespasses, saying, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He even explains why the grace of God was given to him to declare the mystery. And that's so that the church, through the manifold wisdom of God, uh, so that through the church, that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Right. So what really centers itself in Paul's letter is what the purpose of God was in our salvation. So that, so that, so that, so that, right? Explain why God did what he did. Other things were mentioned in the letter, um, including some of the implications of the truth that we hear in the gospel um, that find themselves in how we fellowship as a church, um, how we live our personal lives, um, how we relate to one another as immediate family, father, mother, children, husband, wife, and how we relate to those whom we serve and are served by. So there's a lot covered in the letter, um, but again, I want us to keep in mind that the purpose of God in our salvation <clears throat> and what he kept hidden in previous generations being made clear is what Paul concerns himself with. Uh, that said again, as I said in the beginning of this, we're going to talk today about the purpose of God in our reconciliation, which we can find in this um, letter. So if you're there, Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read from verse 11 to 22. And I'll read it. It says, Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. 
And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. There's so much that could really be pulled out of this uh, portion. We could pull out what God is trying to do um, in us now that we have been reconciled, now that we have been justified, right? He's trying to build us together. We could talk deeply about that. We could talk about how the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, their doctrine, their teaching of the gospel, and the revelation they received regarding our salvation. We could talk about how, as we kind of spoke a little bit about last week, how we were enemies of God and great death. Right? But there is something important I think we should talk about, which is our reconciliation with God. And it starts with verse 11, right? Paul says, therefore, right? As a result of the grace that you have received in Christ for salvation. Why do I say that? Because if you look at verse 8 in the passage before that, in the same chapter, he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. He's coming from that place. He wants us to remember something. Let's talk about what it is he wants us to remember. He says, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. A Gentile. What is that? Right? What is a Gentile? That's what Paul wants us to remember, that we were Gentiles, that we were, as people who were called the uncircumcision, right? separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's what came with being a Gentile. That's what came with being a part of the group of the uncircumcised. So what is that? It's someone who's not Jewish. Someone who doesn't belong to Israel. Why do I say that? A few things. Circumcision was an important part of the Jewish identity in the New Testament. So much so that there was fights when the gospel had been preached within the church itself, suggesting that, look, you can't be saved unless you've been circumcised. You have to be circumcised to experience salvation. They believe that that uh, part of their identity is the reason why, a part of the reason why God, um, or the way that they were distinguished, I should say, by God. And that to not have it would mean you're not a part of his chosen race. The Jews, if we look at Romans chapter 9 real quick, because this is a huge contrast really that Paul is making, and this is not the first time um, that he's talked about this. If we look at Romans chapter 9, verse 3, if you'll look there with me. You're going to see a, a, a huge contrast between what Paul says there and what Paul says here about 
those of us who are in this room who are not Jewish or literal descendants, blood descendants of (coughs) Jacob, of Abraham, of Isaac, of the Israelites. So in Romans chapter 9, verse 3, Paul speaks of this great sorrow that he has within his heart. And he says in verse 3, For I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Who are they? They are Israelites. And to them belong what? The adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But when you look at what he says in Ephesians about us, what does he say? He actually says quite the opposite, right? We were separated from Christ, is what he says in verse 12. We were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. We were strangers to the covenants of promise. We had no hope, and we were without God in the world. Why is that relevant? It's relevant because none of us here, as far as I know, are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if we are not descendants of these men, we're a part of this group. (laughs) We're a part of these people who, again, were separated from Christ, alienated from the theocracy that Israel was ruled under and the rules that God had given to them. Strangers to the covenants that God gave and the promises attached to those covenants. We had no hope and we were without God in the world. Let's let's really think about what it would mean to be separated from Christ, you know, some of these things that we um, hear Paul saying we were separated from. What would that mean? Were the Jews people who got to see Christ any earlier than the Gentile world? In some sense, yes, because when Christ came, he came first to speak to the people, the lost sheep of Israel, right? But besides that, Were they some group of people who just got to see him in advance or something like that within the scriptures? Or was there really an Old Testament and a New Testament, right? An Old Covenant and a New Covenant. Was there a time when he was hidden and he was revealed? That's what it was. He was hidden at some point. And at the proper time, God sent his son into the world to be revealed to men. So what would Paul mean to be separated from Christ? We were people who did not have that hope within us. The Jewish people at least had that anticipation of someone who was going to be anointed by God, who was going to deliver them, and was going to rule justly. This is within their scriptures. This is within... uh, the word of God that they had received. But we didn't have that. None of us had that. We were separated from that. Is that important? We'll see a little bit more later. We were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. As I said before, that theocratic government that ruled how Israel lived and related socially, we were separated from that. We didn't have 
this God, the true and living God, interacting with us, speaking with us, dealing with us, rebuking us through the prophets, and speaking to us through the prophets. We didn't have that. We didn't have, uh, very similar to something said about the separation from Christ, we didn't have the promises attached to those covenants that God made with the patriarchs. With Abraham, he said what? Through you, right? All the nations of the earth shall be blessed. To David, in the book of Samuel, where he says, I will be a son unto him, and he will be, or I will be a father unto him, and he will be my son. You will have a son, and he will be a king. He will be a ruler who will reign forever over the people of Israel. They had that hope of being blessed through Abraham and through David and their forefathers. We had nothing. We had no hope, as Paul says. Why does he say that? As Gentiles, why did we have no hope? Because isn't it in those very scriptures that the the blessing comes to us? We just said all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That's, That's prophetic for us. In what sense did we have no hope? We had no hope in the sense that it wasn't clear. It wasn't clear that God was going to include the other nations, those nations outside of Israel into His plan of salvation, which includes you guys and me. It wasn't wasn't clear to the Gentile. It wasn't clear to the Jew. Right? And that's why the gospel came as a surprise when it was preached. That's why it was so like remarkable when the apostles saw the Holy Spirit rest upon the Gentiles as well. He said, God has given it to them too. It was surprising. It wasn't expected. And we were without God in the world. It's not that Every Gentile was an atheist. Plenty of Gentiles were pagan, worshipped false gods. But it's, we didn't have any true connection with the real and living God. Paul always seems to do this, right? He always seems, when it comes to the good news, he always seems to start with our former condition. He always seems to begin with where we once were. Because that's how we get to see that the good news is good news. That's how we get to see the blessing and the favor and the mercy that God shows us Paul then goes on to transition, um, and this is going to be really the second section of our uh, discussion. And this is where he tells us what God has done in Christ to reconcile us to himself. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Again, in contrast, right? But, to where we were formerly, separated from the hope of the Messiah, people who were not citizens of the kingdom. That's what God said to Israel, right? I will make you a kingdom and priest. We were not there. 
We were far off. We were people who were away from God. We were people who did not know God. We were like those people that Paul preached to in the book of Acts in Athens who had this, you could say this container titling the unknown God. This is a God we did not know. This is a God that we had no knowledge of. And a little bit, like I said last week, just because we were raised in Christian families, we were raised and brought up in the instruction of the Lord. Some of us right in front of us, right? Some of us here. Doesn't mean where God started with this should be taken for granted. Because without His mercy here, none of us perhaps, I don't know everybody's blood here, but none of us perhaps would have been attached to the blessing of God for our salvation in Christ. He's brought us near. We're going to see Paul expand on that um, in the following verses and also in, in the next section of our discussion here. He reiterates his point in verse 14 when he says, He Himself is our peace. Right? Who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Who is the us in this case? Right? It's two people he's talking about here, right? In his thought. It's the Jews. The children of Abraham according to the flesh. And the Gentiles. The rest of us because... <laughs> this is the peace that... Jesus Christ brings. That peace is expressed in our unity, in our oneness. Paul says in Galatians, there is neither what? Jew, nor what? Greek. There is neither male, nor what? Female. There is neither slave, nor what? Free. There's no distinction between us. Christ has made us one. He is our peace. He has reconciled us man to man. And as we're going to see later, He's going to reconcile us, or He has reconciled us, I should say, to God. But this is where Paul decides to start. Is that as people who were Gentiles, who missed out on all those privileges of citizenship in Israel, being a part of the kingdom by ethnicity in Israel, recipients of the word of God in Israel, being those people who miss out on that, we are made one with them. We are no longer separated from them. That's what he says. And has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Those rules which made a distinction between the two. This is probably referring to some of the dietary laws. Or we can see a little bit in the Old Testament some rules of circumcision in order to participate in kingdom customs, we could say. Like the Passover. If you weren't circumcised, you couldn't participate. If you were a stranger. 
God in His wisdom decided to make a distinction. God in His wisdom decided to say, you people, you children of Abraham will be my people. And I will not deal the way that I deal with you with any other nation. He says this in Psalm 147, or this point is made in Psalm 147, verse 19 to 20, where the psalmist says, He declares His word to Jacob, His statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know His rules. Paul's really trying to draw something out of us, right? Or he has something in his mind when he's talking about these things, at the very least, right? Something that stems from what God was doing and intending to accomplish in our salvation, in history. And Christ shattered or broke down this wall of hostility between us and the Jewish people that he might, as Paul says, create in himself one new man in place of the two, again, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Again, our reconciliation is twofold, we could say. We are reconciled. Our relationship, in other words, to the Jewish people has changed. We're no longer strangers. We're no longer aliens. We're no longer people, as Paul is going to say, who are alienated from God don't know God. And we are also, the second part, reconciled to God Himself. How is this accomplished? It's by Jesus. It's by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came from the Father to bring us back to the Father. And He did this through the cross. We talked probably a little bit about this last week. But God's attitude toward us has been changed. His attitude toward the trusting sinner changes to favor and acceptance. And He does this through Jesus Christ. Through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we saw our former condition. We're seeing how God reconciles us Jew to Gentile, man to God even. Now let's see really the benefits or the blessing or the fullness of what comes with that. So when Christ came to reconcile us to God, what did He do? He came, in verse 17, and preached peace to you who were far off. Us. And peace to those who were near. But weren't we just saying that the Jews kind of had it all settled? Right? They had the oracles of God. They had the law. They had the the covenants of promise. They had citizenship. They had, even from their own race, the one who we call our Savior. Doesn't it seem like everything's settled with them? So why does Paul say he preached peace not only to us who are far off, which makes sense, because we really need it, right? But to those who were near. 
Let's look at a particular passage in um, the book of Romans. Romans chapter 9, verse 6. He says, <clears throat> just continuing his thought with what we've already read about the possession of the Israelites. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are the children, children of Abraham because they are his offspring. This sounds something similar to what Jesus said to those Jews who when they heard him say, the truth shall set you free, what did they say? We are children of Abraham, right? We have never been enslaved to anybody. And this sounds something similar to what John the Baptist said in Luke uh, chapter 3, where he says, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. There's no distinction in a sense, right? They had the possessions. They had the blessings. We didn't. That's the distinction. But there is a room, there's a place where there is no distinction. Where you cannot say, right? We have Abraham as our father. Where you cannot say, we are his children. We have the covenants of promise. We have the blessings. We have like, received the law. You can't say that. In the sense that you have peace with God relationally. You might have received all the, that grace. And there's no denying that. But you are not at peace with God. That's possible. And that's not hidden in the Old Testament. These were a people in general characterized by stubbornness, unfaithfulness, adultery, wickedness, these were people who, when we see in the New Covenant, are like hypocrites. Self-righteous. People who did not understand the ways of God and therefore displeased Him. This is what Paul says in Romans 3. There is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of of God. That's why Christ came and preached peace not only to us who were far off as we have already discussed, but He also preached peace to those who were near. And we're going to see the blessing of our reconciliation unfolded. It says, for through Him, we both, right? Both the Jew and the Gentile, who have now been made one in Christ, have access in one spirit to the Father. Paul is speaking 
like his primary audience, we could say, is Gentiles. So there's a point he's making here. Access. We didn't have that <laughs> before. We didn't have access to draw near in some sense. We didn't have the temple. We didn't have the worship. We didn't have all the means that God provided to Israel to come near to Him. But now, we do. Now, we can come to God. And He calls God Father, I was thinking to speak a little bit about our adoption. Then I realized there's a lot to say here already. So it's probably not a good idea to go with what we can say, two distinct ideas. But nevertheless, it it can still draw us to this idea of our reconciliation. The Father... We're brought to a different place in our relationship with God. When Paul assumes that title for us to refer to God, the Father. We are at peace with Him. More than at peace with Him, we are now His children. we may access His presence. God has brought us, as He's about to say, from a place of complete, total alienation, foreignness, to what He says here, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's why it's, it's just so critical to understand our former condition. We need to learn to embrace it, to remember it. That's what he even said. That's his command. In verse 11, right? Therefore, remember that at one time, this is what you were. So that you can be full of thanksgiving. So that you could really see the good news for what it is. Which is, if you ask me, good news. It's a great thing to be fellow citizens. It's a great thing to be a part of the kingdom of God. It's a great thing, more than that, as the rest of Scripture reveals to us, to be priests of God. We have that privilege. Do we see it as a privilege? Do we recognize it as something that, which at one time was not ours? Do we take it for granted? Do we assume that this is the way it's a, it's, it's how it has to be? Or do we see it as a gift from God? <clears throat> and then this last portion of the passage is what I'll go through and then we'll conclude. It says we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God that is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone. God has intended 
and the purpose of his salvation. For those whom Christ Jesus shepherds and is the head of, to be built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. To, built on the, to be built on the foundation of the gospel that they preached. That is what we are reconciled to. We were a people, again, you're going to keep hearing me say it. I'm not going to repent about it. Didn't have any instruction. We didn't have any law. We didn't have, besides the conscience that God gave us. Any way to know how to please and draw near to God. But now, through the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, we come near to God. This is what we come near to God in. The teaching of the apostles, prophets, which concern Christ Jesus, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. I think verse 22 even says, um, in, him, in Him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Right. We are brought over and over. This is what reconciliation is about. Do we want to be reconciled to God? Do we want to be at peace with God? Do we want to have a relationship with God? Do you want to be called God's children? Or do you want to continue as His enemies? Do you want to continue as those who are alienated, separated from Him and from the knowledge of who He is? Where do we want to stand with this? Do we want to receive the Savior, the Son of God, who came to bring us to the Father, who came to give us access to the Father? Or do we just want to be indifferent about it? And again, Take it for granted. You don't have access to God apart from Jesus Christ and what He has done in His substitution on our behalf. We've been brought so near to God, so near in light of where we once were. When we look at non believers today, maybe what we say is they're so, like they're. They're far from God, right? Some of those non-believers were born into Christian homes. To be a Gentile, though, right? To be most likely a pagan. To be far. So far. And to receive this message of access to the one true God, it means something. So, as Hosea um, says, or as God says through Hosea, He says, and I will sow her as my own in the land, and I will have compassion on no compassion. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, what? You are my God. 
God has reconciled us. Even though we were not God's people, we have been made to be so through the death of Jesus Christ. This is a gift because even though we didn't have access to God or truly know of Him, we now have access to Him and are the holy temple in which He dwells. God is dwelling in us through His Spirit by faith in Jesus Christ. This is, this is reconciliation. This is reconciliation of reconciliation. <laughs> if we wanted to make it... Um, if we wanted to put a big emphasis on it, or as clear as we can, we are the dwelling place of God now. Alienated, foreign, strangers, now... We are his house. Now we are the structure which he is building up for his own presence. Now we are the people that he is teaching and informing and calling his own children, which at another time, as I said before, we might talk about. Now we are reconciled. What is this? What I what would I want to say um, about this? If we have not come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom these things are accomplished, let us come to Him, so that we too can be reconciled. You could be so far. You could be as far as far can get. You could be so separated from the knowledge of God. But what does Paul say again? He came and preached peace. He came. Christ came to preach peace to you who were far off. Let us come to Him if we have not. You are not far enough (laughs) to hear the preaching of the gospel and to receive reconciliation. This is what Paul was appealing uh, on the behalf of Christ in 2 Corinthians, which we read a little bit earlier. Be reconciled to God. Put away your former ignorance and come near to Him through Jesus Christ. Accept Him. Or, if we can even say that, acknowledge Him. And the grace that He's given. If you want access to Him and the treasures that come by His grace, you have to receive Christ. If you want to be reconciled with Him, you have to receive Christ. All the things mentioned, all the blessings of our reconciliation, they come through one person. You can't have one without Him. You can't have access You can't have an equal citizenship or standing in the kingdom. You can't call God your Father. You can't be members of His household. You can't be saints that are built on the foundation being built up on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. You can't be any of these things without Christ. So be reconciled to God. 
believe in the Lord. If we have come to know Him, let us give thanks to Him since He has brought us near. Let us give thanks to Christ since He has brought us near to the Father and has made us uh, His people even when we were once not a people. And He did this. Let us give thanks to Him because He did this with His life. Which we're going to remember today looks like. He did this with His life. And then as a point of sanctification or growth, let us seek to understand the fullness of what God has done for us in our reconciliation. And so let's pray based on this word. Again, those of us who have not those of us who have not acknowledged Jesus Christ as their Lord, those of us who have not committed themselves to him, those of us who have not committed our allegiance and obedience to him. Let us turn to Him so we can be reconciled to God. Why should we live any longer away from His presence? Why should we live any longer away from His grace and sin, which confuses us, which misleads us, which destroys us? Why? Let us pray. And as we have seen here, just in part, and our Father, we who were once not your people are now your people. You call us your people through Jesus Christ. Help us to see that. Help us to not take that for granted, God, each one of us. Help us to not fail to recognize that that is a gift of grace. Our inclusion in the gospel, in the message of reconciliation and salvation and forgiveness, that this is a gift from God. Please help us, God, to not take it for granted. but to remember, to remember that being born in a Christian household is not salvation itself. It doesn't even mean you have a standing with, a right standing with God. While, you might, while we might be raised in your instruction, O oh Lord, and in your truth. We are still far off. So I just, I just pray, God, that we would not take it for granted. That we would be, each one of us, reconciled to you as you have reconciled us to yourself through Jesus Christ. You have made every effort according to your purpose to remove the obstacles that keep you from relating to sinners like us. From destroying sinners like us. You have reconciled us to yourself. We thank you, God, just again for the time that we've had to hear this. And I pray that it transforms us, causes us to be grateful, causes us to be thankful for the salvation you've given us through Jesus Christ. We praise you and we ask that you would be with us today and the rest of our activities and whatever we intend to do. 
And may you give us rest on this day, God. We ask you this through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.